You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Hi folks and welcome to Let's Talk Apple episode 29, the show for January 2016 and I'm your host Bart Bouchotts. Joining me today I have a fabulous panel and lots and lots of news to get through. So let me see, that's our geographically closest to me. Hi Gaz, welcome aboard. Yes, good evening uh, Bart, Uh, good evening listeners and uh, yes, looking forward to it. It's going to be a fun packed action show. Certainly, certainly a wide ranging variety of topics. Um, Actually, I don't know which of my United States guests is physically closer to me, so uh, I'll go with the ladies first and welcome back Linda Couchet to the show. Hi, Linda. Hi, Bart. Hi, guys. I am in uh, San Jose, California, so... Probably furthest away, then. Ah, okay. Well, thinking about it, there's no, like, that's the edge of America. There's no... (laughs) Well, I guess Hawaii, but... Correct. I'm pretty sure Scott is not in Hawaii, so we also have Scott Wellesley with us. Hi, Scott. Hello. Yeah, I'm not in Hawaii. I wish I were uh, today. <laughs> no, I'm actually close to Portland, so I'm in the same time zone as Linda, but uh, different, uh, almost the different vertical edge of the country. Yeah, so I imagine it's cold. Yeah, it's chilly. It's not yeah. bad, but it's, you know, miserable weather. Oh, dear. Well, I think we're having a, literally a storm here at the moment, so yay. Um, listeners may remember Linda was on with me a few months ago when Apple had an earnings call. Uh, and we had a very interesting discussion about the whole Wall Street thing, because I keep saying things about Wall Street that make Linda cranky. So I figured this time we'll cut out you know, me getting it wrong first. And so we'll have Linda on on the actual show when Apple do that kind of thing. Uh, and Scott, you have been on with us before, but it's a wee while ago since you were last with us. Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't know when it was. Yeah, I could have looked it up, but that would have been being prepared. And I'm not necessarily great at that. Uh, but yeah, no, you have definitely been on before, so it's good to have you back. Thank you. Okay, so let's kick off with some notable numbers that caught my eye this January. Uh, So first off, Juniper Research have found that Apple Watch has captured 52% of the smart... Okay, I need to fix my show notes. Not the smartphone market, the smartwatch market. Um, So the product has been around for less than a year, and it's already got over half the market. So that sounds good on paper at the very least, but of course it's kind of a small market, so maybe we shouldn't jump up and down too heavily. What do people? I think, I think that number isn't quite as exciting when you look at the competition. Quite frankly, I mean, <laughs> I well, okay. If we're leaving out things like Fitbit and stuff like that, if you're talking about mm. smartwatch, I have not seen anything that I can imagine anybody in my family wearing. You know what I mean? Like normal people, anybody outside of somebody that has a vested interest in it for some reason. I seen. I haven't seen many different watches in the flesh, but all the ones I have seen in the flesh have kind of made me go, mm-hmm. you know, like the Pebble was deeply disappointing when I saw it in the flesh. It's like, oh my god, it's a toy. And the, the Galaxy Gears didn't impress me much either. I haven't seen either of those, um, but I, I, I still think we are in very, very early days for the watch. Hmm. Um, the best comment that I've heard about it actually uh, came from you, Bart, which was oh. your uh, yeah your your comment about um, that it's like the inverse of tiny paper cuts. <laughs> it does a b- bunch of little things that it does well, and I don't think um, 
there's not the enthusiasm for it, but I do think that I think that is likely to come later. It's just too hmm. early. Yeah, well, the, the, the actual article says that consumers are still wary of the category, and I think that's probably a good description. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's like I've had mine for quite a few months now, and thank you to Gaz for helping me acquire it because they weren't selling them in Ireland yet, so I needed the help of a Gaz. Um, and I think so. In all the months I've had it, I think two people have said, "Oh, is that an Apple Watch?" People are just completely oblivious of the entire category, which is kind of nice actually, because it means that it's it's not like wearing a giant big "Please rub me" sign, because most people don't even notice it's there, which is good. Hmm. That is just. Go ahead. And sometimes it's it's nice not to to have something noticed all the time because there are times when you just want to get on with life. <laughs> yes, yes, there are. <laughs> it may be because of where I am, but mine does get noticed, and um, and I use it for with Apple Pay, mm. and that in particular gets noticed. Um, it, it gives me an opportunity to say to people, "Hey, this is really cool because you can do this, and it's so easy, and it's so much better than." what we have now implemented in terms of our chip uh, card here in the U.S. Oh, boy. So, Yeah, it's the same up here. Uh, people do notice them. I don't see a whole lot of them, but people do notice them. So. Okay. So the Irish just don't care. It, it just struck me, actually, because uh, I know that people do use them for, uh, to purchase products because, obviously, it's the whole just touch to the, uh, the, the unit that you need to touch to. Do you think stupid people actually think if I buy, pinch that watch off that person, I can then go around buying things? Probably. But we have they a lot can of steal your criminals here, Kaz. You've seen the American We have here as well. It just, it just suddenly struck me. You know, it's just something which people suddenly think that. I, d- I just wonder whether it makes it an easy target, but I haven't heard of any of that. So uh, let's hope not. No, yeah, I don't. Yeah, sorry, I don't. I'm sorry. That's. I don't think that's the kind of crime that happens here very often. Um, I mean, not that there's not crime, but. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, you don't. You don't have a load of people suddenly becoming to, uh, wanting to become a magician so they can shake your hand and pinch your watch without you knowing it. Yeah. Yeah. No. I'll get it. I'll never get had it. that happen, guys. <laughs> it's a lot easier for people with credit card skimmers to get a bunch of numbers yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. 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 And I'm sure if you had the Apple Watch Gold Edition, it might be a little more at risk. Oh, oh yeah. Right. That's yeah. <laughs> Just because it's gold. Right. If they can do nothing else, they can melt it down. But but you know I wear gold earrings, I mean I mean you know there's people I mean people wear it's, it's yeah. I don't know that's just not very common in my experience. I think there are plenty of gold watches out there as well. I, I, yeah, I, it, it's I think yeah as the, as the actual article says people are wary of the category. Um, they're not wary of wearing watches. Uh, they're just mm. wary of the the smartphone category. So. Yeah. I think I think it'll be a slow burner. I don't think it's suddenly going to take off. I think it's going to be a slow burner unless something comes out which people go, ah, now that makes a difference. And uh, if that's something along the health lines, such as an insurance company saying wearing one of these, sending us uh, basic pieces of information reduces your health insurance by fifty percent, you know, it'll take off. Then I think. I agree. Mm. Will it, or will it, the, people just go Big Brother? Ugh. Well, <laughs> I think in some countries the health bill is quite big, but um. okay. The other, the other part yeah. is your health oh, insurance company. Be? Yeah, your health insurance company already has that data. They already. I mean, yeah. it's not. Yeah. They're, you know, they they already know every time you get an X ray or whatever. 
So True. I think where True. it would be more helpful in medically speaking is to getting it to the doctor. Um, mm, yeah. I talked with a guy that lives here in Portland, uh, Nate Cohen. He's actually um, he actually works at OHSU, and he he was he's looking at it from that angle: is what kind of information will it be getting to the people that are actually your caretakers at some point? Yeah, I had a recent appointment with my doctor just, you know, catch up on a few things and get a few prescriptions renewed. And it was actually really nice. Now, so have you been getting exercise, like I said? Well, yes, I have. Here you go. Look at all those full rings. Look at them all. They're all closed. Yeah. It's it actually quite nice. And, you know, a graph of, like, I have um, a blood pressure monitor that connects to my iPhone over Bluetooth. And being able to just put it on a graph. And so, so here's the weekly graph. Here's the monthly graph. Here's the annual graph. It's like, oh, okay, very good. Thank you. You know, it was genuinely useful. Yeah. Excellent. I think it, for me personally, um, well, there's a couple different things. One is I can't keep, I can't, I don't know who can afford to buy all the Apple devices. It's not me. I have a. (laughs) I don't think we're supposed to. I don't think we're supposed to, but I mean, some people do and I don't, anyway, so it's not just a matter of cost, but I'd look at everything real carefully. So Apple Watch, the main thing for me is I think it has to get better for certain types of exercise. Like most of my exercise is Mm -hmm. cycling. Mm. I don't think it does much for cycling yeah but that's a, i'm mostly a cyclist and it seems fine to me so it's yeah yeah i mean I just, you, you tell it you're cycling you cycle and it tells you you burn lots of calories and how far you've gone and how fast you've gone and you know okay now i still use a companion app on my phone i still use map my ride because that will give you like pretty graphs and things which are just way more fun but you know and it will count your calories pretty effectively because ultimately it just checks your pulse rate and so forth to see how hard you're working and that would be nice to have the, that part of it. Yeah. So no, it, it works quite well for me, actually, as a cyclist. But I, the way I justified the Apple Watch to myself was I was going to buy a Fitbit. And I was like, yeah, but then Fitbit actually fit. No, Fitbit said, we're not dealing with Apple Health. And I was like, okay, fine, I'm not buying a Fitbit. So I took the price of the Fitbit, subtracted it from the cheapest Apple Watch. and was like, am I prepared to pay that premium? Yes, I am. Okay. And then I decided to go for the watch. So for me, the health, the health thing was actually the hook. But I don't know this is a version one product, so as version one products go, it's pretty darn nice. Yeah. Okay, I am going to jump us into our second notable number, which is um, numbers from a company called Caster, and I think I've managed to. I think AutoCorrect has. F- "Quote unquote," fixed that for me in the show notes. I must check that uh, before I publish them. But anyway, they map uh, online stores, and they released a number saying that of the stores they watch. Of the mobile transactions, so things purchased, actual money changing hands for products online, of the stuff of that happening from mobile devices, 77% was from iOS with only 23% from Android, and obviously Windows just didn't feature at all. So yet again, there are fewer iOS devices being sold every year, and yet in any sort of metric of actual use, iOS always comes out on top, especially if it involves handing over moolah to other people. I'm I'm assuming slash guessing that, that yeah this is basically US based yeah yeah okay that could be yeah, I'm not necessarily sure it's going to be geographically located to the US necessarily is it Castora um, is the name of the company uh, it says the data uh, part of a larger report on e-commerce in general was derived from an analysis of more than 500 million online shoppers across 200 US based online retailers so it's US based that doesn't mean it's you know entirely US uh, I buy a lot uh, of stuff right? yeah, yeah. from US yeah. based retailers yeah, yeah. no, no I, 
I appreciate that part, but I'm thinking it's mm. obviously where they're getting the information from. The bulk of it's coming from the US. Now, that's not to say that there will be lots of other areas that are also using it, because I've also seen that in the UK, we are heavy, heavy, heavy. In fact, probably the biggest in Europe of online purchases. Now, they didn't break that down as to whether it was mobile or not. So, yeah. you know, those figures could be matched uh, in other parts of the world as well. It's just, uh, just trying to make that clear, really. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's always good to have context around numbers. It's a good point. I, I always wonder because I, I do see a lot of iPhones and, and stuff here, but I also see a lot of Android devices, and sometimes it surprises me who has which. Uh, I see a lot of people that I think shouldn't. Well, let me. Okay, I'll just say it. I, th- I see a lot of people I think should know better that have Android devices, <laughs> and then I see people that I wouldn't expect to have an iPhone, and they do. And um, it's interesting. So, but I do see a ton of Android devices. So yeah, you're you're right. There probably are a lot more iPhones here than in some places. Uh, but it's still there's still a lot of Android devices here. I think I think that actually. It, it's been an ongoing theme that people who own Macs slash iOS devices do seem to have a big spend online. Mm, true. I, I wonder, I do see, I, I will mention this since uh, following on to, what's, to Scott's comment, I see fewer and fewer Android devices here. I, I don't know why that is. I'm, you know, I'm, tw- I'm a 20 minute drive from Cupertino, so maybe that has something to do with it. <laughs> but Samsung also has uh, buildings here. They have, you know, mm-hmm. various establishments doing something, and they've just built a new one down the street from me. So, um, but I, but I also wonder how exactly does this benefit Apple to have more of these, more of the online purchases coming from them? Just is it just like proof that? the iOS is easier to use or the people trust it more or what do you guys think about that? I, I think it's just easier. It's, it's just easy. Okay. Just ease of use. Or is it just, that's what they see everyone else using. I, I'm not sure how much of it is a case of what well, to some extent has got to be in, in the, the factor of you're a nerd. You're going to be asked your opinion by your family for what should I buy? And right. the question that goes through my mind is always, what am I going to be least cranky about supporting? And for me, that's hands down Apple Gear, always. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've told people in my family, I'm, you buy whatever you want, but I will not support you if you have a PC. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I, I thought I was going to get away with looking after a whole bunch of computers that way, so then my family all bought Macs. I was like, oh, feck. <laughs> I think for me what it shows is that people have confidence in buying online, whether they've got... Um, a Mac or an iOS device, whereas I think there are still lots of stories out there if you've got another device about horrors which go on. Um, and I think it... Uh, I'm not sure whether I should say this. To me, I, I see more geeky people using Android. People who, oh, who yeah, kind totally. of... totally. Right. You know, kind of make up the point that, oh, I can do this, 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 and this with this device. And That's the small, why I see a lot of them. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and I'm not sure that they do all of the big spend. So I I just think that Apple have got device slash devices, which is the everyday consumer can use, understand easily, and have confidence in. To your point, Linda. Right. Right. It's it's hard to know with Android too because it's so extreme. There's people who are like I work in a tech company, and there's a lot of people there that use Android, and then again, there's also a lot of people who go buy cheap phones 
the cheapest they can get and what they wind up with is Android. So it's really hard to know. It's hard to it's hard to get a good picture of why people aren't buying because I think there's a wide gamut of Android users. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, perhaps that's the perhaps that's the problem though, um, Scott. There's a wide yeah. gamut, whereas perhaps yeah. it's a narrower gamut from uh, from Apple. So, and that narrow gamut of people are spenders. Yeah. I don't know if it's a narrow gamut. I mean, the, you know, the... Well, not not a narrow, uh, not narrow, but narrower perhaps. Perhaps I think if you go into a shop without any idea what you want and you used to come out with a brick, you now come out with a cheap Android device. Mm. So the people who don't make a decision come out with Androids just because that's what is that's what the store is just going to give you if you come in without an opinion. People who go in looking for a smartphone are going to come out with either a Samsung or an Apple and or like it is amazing to me the shift I have seen not, you know, between Apple between iOS and Android but the shift between not Samsung Androids and Samsung Androids. I don't remember the last time I've seen a, a, an Android phone that wasn't a Samsung. Yeah. This, yeah. I was listening to some market followers uh, the, just yesterday, and that's, there, that's a definite trend that's happening, is, is that Samsung is having their lunch eaten, if you will, not only by Apple, but also by some of the other Android manufacturers. You know, anyway. Oh, sorry, Scott. No, go ahead. I was just I could go on on Sam, Samsung all day. We use we have a my work phone is a Samsung and I just uh, I can't understand how people I I don't know. It has to be marketing. How it new? just it's a terrible terrible phone. How, how new or how old of a Samsung because the Android stuff has in fairness come on a lot. No, I agree. It's an uh this is an S4 and so it's not the newest, but the operating system is what drives me nuts about it. I mean it is cheap quality hardware. You look at it and you're like this is terrible. These people don't care. But the operating system is the worst. And it's not the latest version, but it's the next to latest version. It's not like I'm using really old Android. Right. I'm, really I'm, old using, Android I'm using what most people are using. That's disappointing. Yeah. I've never liked Android. I've always found it a horribly clunky OS. But then again, I've always found Windows a horribly clunky OS. And the amount of people who are perfectly happy to use that. So, yeah. Anyway. Um, we should probably move on because we're being very slow about these these notable numbers. Anyway, uh, probably a very much related story. Apple Apple's store had their biggest ever holiday with a record 1.1 billion in revenue, which is an astounding amount of money to take in over one holiday season. Um, and then one other thing that definitely is worth mentioning because we don't often get to see behind the scenes what goes on between Apple and some of these other major companies. So because there is some controversy over the fact that Google seemed to have taken chunks of Java to put into Android. Oracle, who bought Sun, who wrote Java, are in the process of a massively long lawsuit that's been going on for years and years and years and years and years against Google. And as part of that, we have seen a document that says that in 2014, the amount Google paid to be the primary search provider on iOS was a cool $1 billion. It's a lot of money. That's and they're supposed lot. to be fighting each other. Well, mm. yeah, but re see the story that we've just been speaking about. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. As, 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 as they say in the Houses of Parliament, I revert the honourable gentleman to the question previously asked. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> okay, um, speaking of lawsuits that go on forever... Um, yeah. Apple have won an injunction against Samsung, so Samsung are not allowed to sell devices Samsung don't sell anymore. This is, this 
you can follow this away under token victory or perhaps moral victory, but certainly not under affect anything important victory. Uh, the chances, the, ultimately, this all depends on the US Supreme Court now. They are either going to take the case or they are not. And that's, that's all there is to it. It just goes to show you that we're really good at having a legal system that is finally ruling on things that just don't even matter anymore. I wonder from a, I, I'm not a lawyer, but mm-hmm. I just I can't help but wonder from a legal standpoint if it doesn't set a precedent, though. And I know that setting precedents sure. is important in law. And so yeah. maybe the reason that it was worth the fight is because, OK, we've got that established. And it may mm-hmm. also lend evidence to Apple's case uh, saying that, in fact, the Supreme Court shouldn't bother with this because it, the case is so clear. Uh, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm speculating, but. Well, also, no, if you do I'm up sure a spreadsheet, like if you do a spreadsheet of Apple v. Samsung outcomes in actual courtrooms, it's a very heavily weighted on Apple side spreadsheet. And this is another more weight on Apple side. Right. Yeah, so it may prevent courts taking up cases, maybe not the Supreme Court, but maybe in other countries. You know, it, it, it does have some meaning. It's just, it's not earth shattering. It's not going to change how Samsung does business. And I'm afraid to say it is a perfectly valid business model to intentionally infringe patents and just pay the fines later. Yeah. As long yeah. as you make enough profit to make up for the fines. Yeah. Well, and I mean, what is a fine? 500 million and an awful lot of lawyer bills. So we'll say a billion. Yeah. But that's Samsung make that kind of money in a quarter. Yeah. So they've done it for years and years and years and years and years. It's, it's a great business model. It works. So it worked. Yeah. Which is sad. Okay, so let's move into the main stories. And the obvious big one is that Apple had an earnings call. Uh, There is a full transcript available online. You can listen online. Um, Before we dive into discussing what it means, um, I'm just going to give people some of the headline facts and figures. So in terms of revenue... Uh, oh, I need to correct my... My goodness me, my show notes are very much in need of correction today. Apparently Apple made $75 million. No, they didn't. They made $75.9 billion with a B, uh, which uh, is up 2% from the year ago quarter. And they say that if currencies hadn't have been against them, they would have been up 8% of an extra $5 billion with a B. Um, net income, as in to say profit, $18.4 billion, which is pretty much the same as it was last year. Gross margins of 40.1%, which is pretty darn close to 39.9% a year ago. Earnings per diluted shares, $3.28, which is up from $3.06 a year ago. And Apple are going to give all the shareholders $0.58 cent per share. Uh and then we have unit sales. This the thing that has, yeah, we'll get to this in a minute. But iPhone sales are seventy four point eight million, which is a lot of phones to sell, uh, or thirty four thousand per hour, as Tim Cook put it. But it's the same as last year. iPad unit sales sixteen point one million, down twenty five percent from last year, and Mac sales five point three million, down four percent from last year. Other products, which includes the Apple Watch and the Apple TV. million in revenue, up 62%. So, them and the numbers. uh, And there's a a few things here to pick at. So, Linda, given that you're you're a financial person, what jumps at you immediately from those numbers? Well, it's an outstanding quarter. Um, I believe that it's... uh, I'm almost certain that it also was the most earnings of any company for all time. So, it's Mm. huge. Um. I will tell you, though, and you probably know this already, but Wall Street tends to focus not on what you have just done, but on what you're going to be doing. Yes. And I'm 
probably jumping ahead here, but given that Apple's uh, forward guidance was not as good as the street would have liked, that is in part responsible for uh, the stock going down. Yeah, so Apple guided revenue between $50 billion and $53 billion for the next quarter, whereas you know, a year ago from the next quarter, so three quarters of a year ago, it was $58 billion. So that is $5 billion to $8 billion less than the same time last year. And they're talking gross margins of 39, between 39 and 39.5%, which is perfectly reasonable. They're Apple sort of margins. But that, that revenue guidance being down by between 5 and $8 billion, that made people go, oh? Right, right. And, and there is some, I don't know how... I don't know whether I should wait for you to to lead into this, but no, I, no, but I would say that there's some um, there are some out there who are going ah oh, there you go it's the beginning of the end and da 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 and iPhones will never grow again and then there are other people that prognosticate and say no 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 it'll return to growth um, so that's the question and Wall Street focuses not exclusively but largely on growth so. That's the question. Is Apple a growth company now or is it not? Um, and there's a lot of folks on Wall Street who believe that it is impossible because of, quote, the law of large numbers, which I'm told is neither a law. Uh, it's not a mathematical law right. <laughs> nor a law in any sense. Uh, but in their heads, so there's the psychology, it's impossible for Apple to grow at this point because it's already too big. It's already grown up, so to speak. Um, I think that's and, faulty and, logic, but there. Well, it, it, it is slightly faulty logic, but there is some sense to it because a company can only grow ad infinitum for so long uh, yeah. where they have to change tack and move into a new area. Now, that new area could take a long time for uh, that company to get into and for that growth rate to then suddenly pick up in that area again. Now, it could be that in the meantime, Apple drop quite a lot and then all of a sudden they start growing because they're in a new area and Wall Street loves them again. Uh, you know, let's, let's, let's make it clear. Wall Street goes up, Wall Street goes down. Those analysts, they still make money. Yeah, it's it's a bit silly to to project from this one. And at the moment, what we have is not a dip, but a flattening out. This is the first time since the iPhone was invented that it hasn't grown year over year. It didn't shrink. There's not fewer being sold last Christmas to this Christmas. It was the same. And it stayed the same, even though economic outlooks and so forth are not particularly good, especially in China, which is, of course the one place where everyone said, hey, that's where your growth is coming from. China, 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 China. It'll be brilliant. Right. And China isn't brilliant. And even at that, they've kept flat. So to me, that's like, okay, that's not bad going, but what do I know? Right. Well, the other thing I think of is the, so this is matching against last year's same quarter. Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken, that was the iPhone 6 and 6 yes. Plus. So yes. I, I'm just guessing here, but I'm, I would be surprised if some of this didn't have to do with the fact that when the bigger iPhones came out, they they went crazy. They sold a ton of them. And then this is the second year of the big ones. I think possibly some of it is just people are getting their big iPhones now and it's it's not going to keep accelerating at the same rate. I mean, I don't think that's as big a factor as market as the the mar- the general market, mm. you know. Well, but basically last year was Last year was effectively a bulge because you had this pent-up demand for a few years right. where people were saying, I want a bigger iPhone, I want a bigger iPhone. Yay, a bigger iPhone. Yeah. 
there's yeah, there's two two other points to make. One is that uh, there was so much demand last year, mm-hmm. and they had a problem fulfilling that demand. Yeah. So a lot of the demand went into the second quarter, into the March quarter. And for that reason, that's not happened this year. So your comparison in the March quarter is le- less. Which is you know, the one that we're giving this guidance that's, quote, unquote, too low. And here in the U.S. And, and obviously there's, there's a market out there which is struggling at the moment. Yeah. That's yeah. correct. Macroeconomic factors, if you will. Yeah. So that's, that's how the, how Tim talked about it and how it's talked about largely because China is a big question mark at this point. That's the the biggest hunk of it. It's not the only piece, but it is the biggest hunk of it. And if I if I may, mm-hmm. absolutely uh, to Gaz, I want <laughs> I want to say you mentioned the analysts, um, the analysts per se, and this is data you can can look up on the web, and I'll shoot you a link at some point, or we can include it if you want. Um, the analysts per se are basically bullish on Apple. The large majority of them have high price targets. They've had to bring them yeah. down, uh, but they've had high price targets and they have a buy rating on the stock. So uh, it's really not the the the, the uh, sell side analysts, which is the ones that we that we hear about all the time, the Gene Munsters and Katie Huberties and Brian Whites, all those folks. It's not really uh-huh. them that are the issue. So okay. I, I, you know, I just want to make that clear because no, I, no absolutely. But we, the, the market is driven not by those people you just mentioned, isn't it? Which is is part of the problem as far as we're concerned. However, we shouldn't deem this to be a problem because I don't think Apple ever deemed this to be a problem. They know it has an impact on the organisation and the company moving forward. But if if they're honest with themselves, they're probably okay for a little while. Right. Right. And there and I'm sure the other the other part is I'm sh- I'm just I know in my bones that Apple is already working on a number of products yeah. to come, you know, and, and probably they don't know what those are yet. I mean, we hear about the Apple car. We hear you know, there'll be, I'm sure, improvements on the Apple watch, et cetera, et cetera. Apple TV and, and all the rumors that we hear about, you know, the Apple uh, flying hoverboard or whatever. <laughs> I think one of the let, let's be honest. The biggest issue Apple have got is they've got a, a reasonably expensive product, which sells extremely well, and they've got a reasonable margin on it. The replacing that is hellishly difficult. And right. even if the even if the phone takes off, so the watch takes off, the value is still not going to match the phone that they've got out there. So I think I think that's a problem. And it, whether it would be Samsung or any other company, they'd all have the same problem. Well, Apple right. had that problem before with the iPod, and they seem to have come out of that okay. Right. I think I think as if you look across all products that have all that have been made in the in the in the course of human history, the iPhone is going to stand out though as one of the very best ever. Yeah. And I mean, it's just changed so much. And you're yeah. right. Comparing to find something that can top that would be, is a challenge. <laughs> yeah, to put it mildly. <laughs> to put it mildly, yeah. So part, the other thing too about the year over year thing, mm-hmm. I, I think part of it, like I like Linda said, I think there was a bubble and mm-hmm. there was pent up demand for the bigger screens. But we're just now in the U.S. getting out from under two year contracts, and yeah. so. This is like for me. This is year one of that. That's why I have a six S plus, and I don't didn't have a six plus. So yeah. I've got to think there's other people in my shoes, and that that it took kind of two years for that pent up demand to be spread across. But is it also not going to be a slowdown inherent in the fact that 
mobile providers in the US are moving away from the concept of subsidized phones and contracts. It might and, be, but you still... You know, oh, I'm sorry, I cut you off. But no, so if you're on a two-year contract, you're going to buy a new phone every two years. Now, you're only going to buy it every two years, but you are going to buy it every two years because every month over two years that you keep using that phone is a waste of money because you're paying for... Basically, your, your bill stays the same, but you're finished paying it off, so you're wasting money. So there's a very strong incentive when you're on these kind of contracts to roll with it every two years. So you're either on the tick cycle or the talk cycle. But mm-hmm. with the contracts going away, you're now paying... $700, $800 for this device, you're going to use it as long as you can. It, it's going to, that's going to slow the market down, I would have thought, well, where people are going to say, yeah, I'll wait three years. Yeah, there's, there's another a- plan, though, that's, that's come into place. Scott, maybe I'm, I'm saying what you were just going to say. There's another plan that's coming into, into place, though, that allows you to pay off on a monthly basis. So you're not doing either, I don't believe you're doing the 200 at all. Right. Um, you know, I think you're just paying X dollars per month. And on that plan, and this is across several U.S. carriers and then Apple is offering their plan, on that plan, you can update every year and just pay X dollars per month. Mm -hmm. The the speculation from from industry analysts that I have heard is that uh, they're they're just not sure at this point whether how that's going to affect sales, you know, actual sales numbers. Yeah. So maybe, maybe there will be more. People upgrading every year. Hmm, interesting. Possible. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, the other number I think we absolutely cannot ignore. So iPhones remained about flat. Okay, we've talked about that quite a bit. But the iPad unit sales being down 25% year over year. We, you know, we've been brushing off that number for quite a few quarters now. But it, at some point, it's like, wh- where is the floor on this? Mm-hmm. You know, on the other hand, 16.1 million. That's not... I know an awful lot of companies who would love to sell 16.1 million of anything. But it was 20 million last year. Right. I think that may also, um, this is speculation on my mm-hmm. part, but I think it may depend on new models. So there is a, a rumored new model coming into place. Um, I'm not sure how the iPad Pro is going to you know, figure in those numbers. Uh, it would not have been... When was that re- released? How many of those would have been in this first quarter? The not Pro many. was November time-ish, wasn't it, when it came out? So the Pro was not the full quarter. Right. It's also so, a very expensive device, so it's more like the... Mm-hmm. It's not quite gold Apple Watch price, but it's... Uh, right. You know, it's not like an iPad mini where people buy it on a whim. It's a much more expensive device. Right, right. So so I, I expect that it's that's going to be a product cycle th- thing where Apple releases new ones, there'll be a bump. And then it will fade back down. Uh, how high the bump will be, I-, I couldn't tell you. Yeah, apparently a lot of people want an iPad Air 3, and Apple didn't deliver on that, you know, for Christmas. Correct. So, yeah. Yeah, I just wonder where the bottom is, because yeah. I-, I think the iPad is much more like the Mac than it is like the iPhone. And, you know, Mac unit sales are 5.3 million, which is, again, a lovely number a lot of people would love to have. So, even at 16 million, that's still three times the Mac. And maybe the floor is at twice the Mac, or maybe the floor is, maybe this is the floor. I just, yeah. I keep wondering when I'm going to stop saying, where, where's the bottom? Well, yeah. I, I'm just conjecturing here too, but I feel like the iPad is a, well, you, you said it's more like the Mac than the iPhone, mm-hmm. and that is true, except in software it hasn't been. I think that's a problem because I feel like the iPad is a wonderful device that very few people can justify financially if they also have a computer and they also have an iPhone and they have kids 
my daughter's using my hand-me-down iPad Air 2, mm-hmm. and now she's using my hand-me-down iPhone 5S, but um, I cannot afford to go buy myself an iPad to replace that. I just can't. And I, I don't know. I just wonder how many other people look at it and go, you know what? If one thing has to go, I'm keeping my computer, I'm keeping my iPhone, and I'll just do without the iPad. And I think if they keep getting iOS improvements specific to the iPad, similar to what they're doing on the iPad Pro, but again, that's the most expensive mm-hmm. one. But if if they can somehow trickle some of that down and they're meaningful enough that more people can say that for me is a laptop replacement because I think some people can but not enough. I don't know. I just think that maybe some of these are factors. Yeah, it's certainly it's never going to be your well, uh, maybe maybe actually no maybe in the future it will but for not for very few people right now is it a this is my only computing device. Right. And, and then you're into trying to convince people they want two computing devices and that's that's a hard sell for people who are not us. Like, you know, for me that's a very easy sell. You know, I, I think my view of the future is giganto big iMac on my desk and a good-sized iPad in my bag. I, I think that's where I want to be. But I'm not sure I'm all that normal. Well, no, I think that's a great use. I would like that, too. I had, I don't use laptops anymore, but as far as the iPad part of it goes, I just haven't been able to afford to actually get that piece in motion. Yeah. I'm glad they last as long as they do because otherwise I would be without. You know, I'm I'm only on my third iPad since they came out. The enterprise market is likely to be a factor here, and I don't know how to. I mean, they move mm. slowly, so that's likely to be a factor yeah. at some point. And then the other, um, I just read and ran ran across an article recently where the guy was basically saying, "Look, I'm moving entirely off the Mac onto iOS," and he gave a bunch of specific reasons i don't i I think kids are more likely to do that you see the kids with Mm. the ipads and the iphones and they just they just go crazy and you give them a mouse and they're like eh, you know what do i do with this why can't i touch the screen on this laptop yeah yeah so am i am i mistaken didn't uh, wasn't there one or two cases where um uh apple lost some ipad contracts uh during that quarter as well and wasn't there some school uh, no uh, uh, speaking yeah yeah, there was one really big case with the LA school district, and that wasn't because Apple did something wrong. No, it was because LA. That was just a, that whole contract was a mess. Yeah. Um, that, that was just not not good. What well, is related to this actually? I didn't put it into the show notes because I think we'll talk about it in more detail when it happens. But Apple have told us that in iOS nine point three, there is going to be the ability for schools to create managed Apple IDs. And that with those managed Apple IDs, multiple students can log in individually to the same physical iPad. That makes the iPad competitive against Google. And Google has been completely dominating the U.S. schools with their, um, what's your majiggers? Yeah, with their Chromebooks. Yeah. And a lot of people, a lot of parents are saying that, that... they're being forced to use Chromebooks. They find it disgusting. They don't want Google having all the kids' data, but they have no choice. If Apple, you know, and buy an iPad for every kid is just not viable. Like no. when you see the price of a Chromebook, that is not going to fly. <clears throat> no. So if these managed iPads work as well as Apple pretend, you know, as Apple are telling us they will, then they're in the game again, and it's a game that they had fallen out of. So maybe that will be enough because in terms of a classroom environment. A flat surface is so much less of a wall between the student and the teacher than anything laptop-shaped, no matter who makes it. Right. Fraser Spears wrote a really good 
blog post and I'll try to find it and send you the link. But uh, he, you know, as you know, that guy's tuned into the educational system mm -hmm. and he does bring up some pretty good points that it, it's uh, even right now iPads are a hard sell in the schools because even with multi-user, the iPads that schools can afford don't have a lot of storage space. You can, yeah, they're going to set it up so you can download stuff from the class from the cloud, but nobody knows what that looks like yet. How long does it take? How inconvenient is it? Yeah. And I think there are still some issues that I really wish Apple would understand these tiny little details that make a huge difference to the schools because the education market, as Fraser points out, they don't change platforms all that often and if they start crowding apple out apple's going to be out for a long time i i feel like they're dropping the ball here mm. yeah well they used to be it like they were 20 years ago they were the education provider there was even a special mac for education the emac that was the first mac i ever right. used right. and we used to have in the university i work in dedicated mac labs and dedicated pc labs and the mac labs were where everyone was and the pc labs were empty well, then the PC labs started to become more full than the Mac labs, and you know what? There's no such thing as a Mac lab anymore. It's just completely There's, gone and has been for a decade. There was also a time, I just have a historical memory, uh, there was a time when Dell dominated the education market. Originally it was Apple, and then it was Dell. Well, and we live I, in that time in Ireland. I'm afraid we're behind the times. Okay, well, well <laughs> Apple came back in the U.S., I remember Steve commenting on that at a at a I must have been a uh, annual meeting or someplace mm -hmm. where I saw him comment on it and he said they've done a good job and within two or three quarters after that Apple started gaining market share again in the education <laughs> space so I just I'm just like mm, these things I don't think things these things stay static I think there's constant movement and and competition yeah well just looking at the Irish university sector it's been a dull show for quite some time now. Interesting. Is that just internal? What about what students are bringing? Oh, what students are bringing have giant, big, white, glowing apples on the back. Yeah. But what yeah. we are providing it has big silver Dell circles. Okay. Although, actually, there's a big... Everything's going out to tender now for the entire Irish government sector, and there's a very good chance it won't be Dell for the next while. So we'll see how that works out. So Yeah, but the, the problem they've got at the moment, though, is because of the economic environment we're in, it comes down to budget and it comes yeah. down to money. So, And it's the, it's the immediate burn that these, these companies slash organizations uh, can only think about. Yeah, and you yeah. can buy a Dell desktop for like a pittance. Yeah. Horrible machine. Ghastly thing. <laughs> but it's very cheap. Yeah. And you have a lab of 500. 500 times very cheap is a lot. You know, it, it really adds up. Yeah. Okay, one other number I just think we should just draw, just mention is so 5.3 million max, which is down 4%, which sounds like a bad number, but the market as a whole is down between 8 and 10%. So being down 4% and the market that's down 10% is actually being up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in terms of increasing share. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, not bad, not bad, Apple, not bad. Um, but, you know, the, the the PC market is being chewed up. And if, you know, it would be nice if the iPad could chew, chew up a good chunk of it, but not quite yet. And obviously, I guess we do have to mention other products, which is where <laughs> Apple have decided to start sticking the stuff that there is not yet big enough to stand up on its own two feet. Because, you know, even if it's possible that the Apple Watch, like there was 4.5 billion in revenue in this other section. So it's possible the Apple Watch is a billion dollar product. And from any other company, mm. that would that, that would be 
an amazing product. But from Apple, a $1 billion product is, is yeah, whatever. You know, they're a $76 billion a quarter company. What's a billion dollars? Right. So there's, there's where the economy scale kicks in. Oh, yeah. It's a hobby. It's a hobby. So we don't know what the <laughs> breakdown is. Is the Apple TV doing spectacularly well and the watch not doing great? Is the watch doing spectacularly well and the TV not doing great? Hard to know, but it seems like the two of them are doing okay. Like, mm-hmm. you know, 4.5 billion, 62% up from last year. I don't think they're doing bad. And I found another thing I have to correct in the show notes. I really, really was asleep when I was writing these show notes. 4.5 million in revenue from that whole, from that whole lot. That would have been really quite disastrously bad. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah I, saw, I saw that and I thought, hmm. Yeah, I know. Okay, so, um, good, good. Okay, so that, becomes, that M becomes a BN. There we go. Okay, the listeners get to see it finished, but of course when I keep drawing attention to my mistakes, that doesn't work out so good. Um, <laughs> yes. other, other things that were mentioned, um, Tim Cook has joined the list of people expecting there to be a decline in iPhone shipments in quarter two for all the reasons we've already talked about. Uh, and Tim has also reiterated repeatedly Apple's policy of investing during downturns. And what we saw this month is the rumor mill being full of all the cool stuff Apple is working on and Apple hiring people who do VR and cool stuff. What that means? Well, I don't know. But they're definitely doing something researchy. And the last number I have in the show notes is just that iPhone sales in India, which is, like China, a growing market with lots of people in it, up 76%, which came after they cut their prices. So that's not very Apple-y, but nonetheless, it's a good number. I know you're not dwelling on it, uh, mm-hmm. Bart, and I don't want to dwell on it too much because we could be assuming a lot from here. But actually, they, they've got a marge, gross margin of 40.1, up mm-hmm. from the year-ago quarter of 39.9. Okay, mm-hmm. so that's a smidgen. Yeah. However, they're saying between 39 and 39.5. What that says to me is they're looking to be selling a lower margin product. So all the analysts mm. will be looking at which is the lower margin product, which is going to possibly take a slightly higher slice of their sales. Yeah, and although see that quarter that they're talking about is the one that we're experiencing at the moment. So I guess yeah. that yeah. price yeah. drop so, in the so, end stuff. So, yeah, so that's a fair point. So we'd have to know what their, their Q2, Q2 year ago uh, margin was. Yeah, so they could, it may be that it's a similar rate. Mm. So yeah, I could be wrong there. It's always the high 30s though. Like it's somewhere between 37 and 40-ish. From from all of the times we've done this, it's always around that those kind of numbers. Cool. It could be in this case. It could be if they're selling used or older or refurb or whatever iPhones in India to to um, work with that market. Yeah, that that could be your could be part of that anyway. Yeah, your five S's or, and those or, kind of phones. Or, or a cheaper phone coming. Right, but that won't affect this quarter because by the time they announce right. it, that'll be the quarter. Yeah, that's after. true. That's true. Could they make that's any true. local? you know adjustments for uh conversion price well they dropped the price in india they yeah. so they're making less on their iphones in india than they so are that's elsewhere. a that's a really good point uh scott actually so they could be seeing a, a, a continuing strengthening in the dollar versus other other um oh, currencies yeah because yeah, they were very very big on pointing out the currency effect on their numbers yeah. They, yeah. They, they had like a whole appendix to the numbers with pretty graphs and things mm-hmm. i'm sure they made more sense to you linda than to me uh, supplemental, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> we would have made lots more money, but the dollar is too strong. This is what I read from it. Yeah, right. Um, as a rule on this show, I intend not to be a big rumor junkie. But, well, I t- in fact, I tend to eschew rumors quite a lot because they make me cranky. But in this case, I suspect 
that this is a rumor that Apple have put out there for the intent, the express purpose of having everyone shout and scream and make themselves hoarse about it now so we don't care when it actually happens for real. So mm-hmm. the media was all of a sudden abuzz with rumors that the next iPhone, the iPhone 7, will not have a 3.5 millimeter audio jack. Let the moaning begin. <laughs> or actually, no, honestly, does it, I, I, I should probably say that. So, Gaz, what are you, is this something that you're upset about or not upset about? We'll, we'll talk about why in a minute. I just want to get an idea where we all stand. So, uh, Well, as far as I'm concerned, um, I'll tell you when it happens. Okay. Linda, do you have a strong opinion one way or the other? I don't. I'm, I'm with Gaz that, you know, if it actually happens, then I'll say something. Um, the only comment that I'll make is that I heard somewhere, some podcast somewhere, that it may be that the reason they would do such a thing is in order to make the phone waterproof. And that if, if that's the case, that would make, that would make a difference in, to, to me. Okay, so how, how, how they explain it will make a big Correct. difference in how you feel. Correct, that, and that's why I want to hold back, because they might come out with a fantastic reason why it's an advantage. Okay, and Scott? I, uh, personally, I'm, I'm fine with it. The, the only, personally for me, the only use that would have to change is uh, I connect it to my car stereo mm-hmm. through a jack instead of Bluetooth or something like that. I'll have to figure that out, but I don't care. But I hate i despise wired headphones so much they're always grabbing on something and ripping out of my ears and making me want to smash things <laughs> I, I know it's a bit like the guy in the juicer commercial who keeps getting juice in his eye i know that but still um so i, I don't think care. i think the thing i smash is my bloody headphones which is <laughs> right yeah that's right so i don't know i don't care i usually use bluetooth anyway but i i think that the anger over apple getting rid of these because for making the phone thinner i doubt that's the reason and and i and maybe it would be for waterproof, but I think Samsung has waterproof phones without making them, or somebody did waterproof them without getting rid of the jack. So I don't know that they would have to do that. I think there must be some other reason, and and I think that Apple's just tired of the jack. They get rid of all kinds of things when they feel like its time is up, and I I don't have a problem with it. I'm not I'm not angry about it. I'm not convinced it's the best thing ever, but I'm not angry at all. I think it's fine, but I I don't have a strong opinion one one way or the other right now. My my personal theory on it is that if if you think about an iPhone, like if, especially if you take a modern iPhone six or six six or six S, and you look at how much physical volume there is inside the packaging, there's not actually a lot of volume in there, and they got to squeeze the motherboard in there, the processors, and then whatever is left, they sort of pour battery into. I mean, the battery is basically shaped to fit around every little nook and cranny. And the 3.5 millimeter jack doesn't look very big from the outside. It you know it's 3.5 millimeters, which isn't all that much. The thing is, it's deep. It goes a long way into that device. Whereas when you look at the amount of physical space taken up by the little lightning connector, it's much, much, much less. So that could be an hour of battery life being wasted by the air in that 3.5 millimeter jack. Mm. And that, to me, is a good reason to get rid of it more than anything else. It's also analog. It's like if it was it's like the VGA port. It's, it's been around so long. It's it's an analog leftover from years gone by. It's probably about time it was obsoleted. Mm-hmm. The rumor that made me cranky was the rumor that they would Apple would do this and not include headphones anymore with the iPhone. Now that just sounds stupid to me because if there's one guaranteed way to make everyone angry about this change of port, <laughs> that'll be it. Yeah, because most people either use Bluetooth these days or they use the headphones that come with their iPhones, the little white ones. So if the little yeah. white ones still fit into the bottom of the phone, I imagine. There's not going to be 
a calamitous outcry. There will be an outcry because there are people who are still... There's a petition been started where they already whine about... The, this is the same company that got rid of the 30-pin dock connector and going, anyone? Anyone actually still like that bloody horrible thing? Is there anyone who doesn't think that the lightning connector is better? So, I don't know. But yeah, I, I'm a Bluetooth user. I, I became a Bluetooth user after having smashed my third set of headphones by getting them snagged in about three months. And I'm just going on to Amazon, and Amazon was saying, would you like another set of headphones? So, like, you know, suggested for you, headphones. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I get it. <laughs> so I spent quite a bit more money than I did on the crappy headphones. I spent, actually, no, I spent three times as much as I did on the headphones I was breaking. And I now have a Bluetooth set I absolutely adore. And so far, they've already lasted me three months. So I think that means I've made my money back. Um, but anyway, okay, so that didn't, I thought this might take forever. But that didn't, that didn't make half as many people angry. <laughs> okay, good. Well, when they do it for real, we can have a proper argument about it on the show. Um, <laughs> okay, so the next story, I don't like to cover politics in this show because, well, if I wanted to talk about politics, I would have started a politics podcast. But I didn't. I started an Apple yeah, but this, this isn't co- uh, politics. This is comedy, isn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Arguably. I sure yes. hope it is. I sure hope so. It would be the best piece of performance art ever if the, Donald Trump, the entire Donald Trump campaign was a joke. Um, I know that was a running theory by some US commentators about the 999 guy last time around. What's his face with the pizzas? Um, Herman Cain. But anyway, he didn't get very far. Anyway, so Donald Trump is who we're talking about. Uh, Donald Trump made a speech on Martin Luther King Day where he said that he he will get. Now, a lot of people are reporting that he will make, but he didn't say make, he said get, which implies he may cajole them rather than force them. But anyway, he wants to get Apple to build their damn computers and things. So he's a little (laughs) behind the times. 5.3 million units versus a hell of a lot more units in the and things category. But anyway, damn computers and things in America... And he also mooted a 35% tariff on companies manufacturing outside the United States of America. I don't even know where to begin on the wrongness. Um, Linda, do you want to start off on this one? (laughs) Just because I see the economics arguments are probably, like the 35% tariff probably needs arguing against. Um, It's very... I really no. wouldn't spend too long on this, to be honest with you. Well, I think, you. okay, maybe not, but no, there's I, certainly some points to be made. I, I agree. The first thing is is, is to quote uh, John Gruber was simply, good luck with that. <laughs> yes, because the job he's going for is not dictator, it's right. president. <laughs> the, other, the other part, I mean, the economics are, first of all, that that, I mean, that goes exactly against globalization and international trade. If he does that, the the the, the um, reciprocal actions by the rest of the world would be huge. I mean, it's just it's it's crazy. It makes no economic sense whatsoever. However, I don't think his campaign is designed to appeal to the most intelligent members of the American populace. I was under the impression, like I, I don't live in America, so I don't obviously follow all of your politics in detail, but I was generally speaking under the impression that the Republican Party was big on fair trade, or free trade, sorry, markets know best, all that kind of stuff. So the concept of a tariff seems to be about the most un-Republican thing I've ever heard in my life. And the concept of telling a business how they should do their business, that sounds like regulation to me. And I'm also pretty sure they don't like that. I agree. You're correct. So. You are- this just made my head explode. But the other thing is, I don't think America could physically do the job because 
final assembly of, of something like an iPhone is actually, the, the work is monotonous, but the infrastructure needed to do it is anything but simple. So actually, I don't think it could be done. But the bigger point being missed is that, yeah, the, the iPhone is assembled in China. Where does its CPU come from? Actually, most of those are made in America. Where does the glass come from? Yeah, most of that's made in America. Like, all of the expensive stuff that the Chinese people are putting together for Apple, the vast majority of that is made in the U.S. That's where right. the profit is. That's where the money is. Right. Not to mention it, all the app developers. The other, the other economic point to be made is, is that the Chinese workers make roughly, uh, the number I saw was roughly five, $5.50, something like that, per hour. Yeah. You are not going to find Amer- – that's below the American minimum wage. So yeah. you, it's, it's not feasible. He's, it's just – it's not a very intelligent comment to begin with. No, it sounds good on paper. It sounds good until you think about it. I don't know if it's completely impossible technically, though, because uh, we still have some chip fabs here, and those are uh, they're 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 analogous. They're no, they're not. They're automated. No, no, they have people in them. They have people in them. Oh yeah, okay. I mean, Intel is just around the corner from me here. Uh, They're not free of people, but it's a different kind of assembly than the final assembly of an iPhone. Right. It's also a different skill set, I think, of the work the workers. Yeah, I mean, the point is. America has the skill set and the infrastructure to do the higher value stuff, like the chip building. That is, there's actually more money in that than in Final Assembly. That the, right. the good I, I money is being done in America already, not to mention the apps and all the other stuff. Yeah, it, it's a different skill set. But I guess what I'm saying is if you can train people to do that, I mean, they're training people coming off farms in China to do Foxconn work. It, yeah, but it, the thing it, is, in not- China, $5 is a lot of money. No, I understand. That, that's the difference, yeah. And there's but- also a lot of Chinese. Like, right. there is. Right. Yeah, yeah, and you see, in America, according to Mr. Trump, we are also going to limit immigration, so we will not have immigrants to do this work, which is yes. another factor, because the immigrants, frankly, tend to do the, uh, often the lower-paid wages. So this, this, there's problems with this proposal. Let's just leave it at that. There are, certainly are, and I guess the, the, the sort of the, the, there is one machine Apple do assemble in America, and that's their... Very expensive, starting at three thousand euro, three thousand dollar the Mac Pro. But if you're selling something for three thousand dollars, the if you quadruple the price of Final Assembly, the net effect percentage wise on the price will not be very high. If you do that to something like an iPhone, that will cause you problems. Due to an Apple Watch, it'll cause you even more problems. So you know the the reason Apple assembled that one in America is pretty obvious. And another interesting data point that John Gruber threw into the mix is that there is a country which tried to do this, to force people to manufacture in their country through the use of tariffs, and that country is Brazil. Yeah. And it didn't work for them. Yeah. So, you know, it's an idea that's been tried. We've, we've been there, there's, done that. There's no such thing as bad publicity, Bart. <laughs> Fair point. Fair point. He is a reality show host. So let's. let's yeah. Unless anyone has any final thoughts, perhaps it's we should. No. We no. should um, <laughs> cut off his supply of uh, publicity for the little teeny tiny bit we can. Um, the other story we talked about it a lot last month in the last Let's Talk Apple uh, is sort of the ongoing war over encryption, and I think this is the new Samsung v Apple, the new thing we will be talking about every month for quite some time to come. So. I sort of listed out all of the news stories from my RSS reader that fell into this category, and I'm just going to rattle them off, and then we can come back and talk a little bit more about them. But just to give you a concept of how how in the news this topic is at the moment. So 
there was a secret meeting in the White House with the tech people and the White House, and apparently Tim Cook read the White House the riot act for being wishy-washy on encryption. New York lawmakers proposed a bill to ban the sale of backdoor-free smartphones. California decided to follow suit, or a lawmaker in California followed suit, made a similar proposal. Meanwhile, in Europe, the Dutch government said, no, they're not going to go down that road. The French government followed suit and said, no. Uh, Former NSA boss uh, General Michael Hayden said the FBI has it all wrong. Current NSA chief Admiral Mike Rogers a few days later followed suit and said, yep, they have it all wrong. Encryption is fundamental. Sorry. Encryption is foundational to the future, which is an interesting word and quite a nice phrase. Meanwhile, the Woodrow Wilson International Centre for Scholars is creating a congressional cybersecurity lab to help educate US lawmakers on all things cybersecurity. AT&T has said, no, 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 it's not for tech companies to get involved, to which everyone goes, yeah, because you helped everyone spy on everyone. And then finally, there's a really good article from Rich Mogul explaining sort of why it is that Apple is leading the charge. So I would recommend everyone read that in the show notes, which is the last link under section four. So definitely activity on this topic. Anyone have any thoughts they want to chime in with? Uh, where where do you start? Where where point. do you start? I I think I I yeah Apple I in my mind are taking the right angle. Um, what we need more of is more intelligence and more thought from our governments and from the people in authority to make the right decisions. And what they're seemingly doing is almost what Donald Trump is doing in getting sound bites against yeah. things which they think less. Uh, intellectual people will go yeah 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 we need to catch these people and if that's how we're going to do it then that's what we've got to do and i i i just don't think there's enough intelligence being um touted about by the people in important places making decisions uh, it, yeah. it's not an easy problem to solve um i've always said actually i prefer the government to fix the source issue and not try and uh, shut the gate after the horse has already bolted um and that's what I see in a lot of these cases. But uh... yeah, an important thing to say, right? So people say, "Ah, yes," but you know, encryption is cutting off law enforcement's access to information. Well, that's actually less true than you think, because you can go to AT and T and say, "I want to know everyone yeah. this guy phoned. I want to know every text message this guy sent." The information you can go to Dropbox and get subpoenas on stuff. The information is all there. What the what an, what someone's phone is is a really easy way not to do any police work. Just give me their phone and I'll have it all. It'll save me bothering my backside, going after different sources of information. I'll just take it all in this nice self-contained little unit. But, of course, a backdoor is a backdoor is a backdoor. So yeah, what you're, yeah. you're... And, it's not, and it's not just a backdoor to the pieces of information that they need to catch that person in doing a crime. It's a backdoor to all the good information that you actually would like to keep safe, like bank details, like, well, lots of personal information. Yeah, and it also it actually hinders them from their. I mean, I don't know. They 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 have to be more precise in what information they're getting. They're basically just wanting to be a wash in data, and I don't know. I don't think it really has been proven that it, that that helps. Yeah, catch it all, and then we'll filter it out later. Right, fishing which is expedition. They call yeah, it a yeah. fishing expedition. Yeah, which, which is dangerous actually from a civil liberties point of view. Yeah. Right. It should be unconstitutional if we, you know. <laughs> Well, my reading of your Fourth Amendment against unreasonable search and seizures is that it is unconstitutional, but no one put me on your Supreme Court. 
<laughs> exactly. Would you like to be nominated, Bart? Um, I think I may be lacking all the qualifications. <laughs> I'm sure Good there's a sense. checklist. Yeah, you're not Canadian, are you, Bart? <laughs> not Canadian, no. Belgian. I don't think that's very high up on the list of... <laughs> anyway. Um, I, I, I have one more just comment. In, in order to... Ch- what's happening now, it seems to me, is, is that the politicians... Uh, and commentators who can make a big splash and appeal to the masses are doing so by saying we need encryption. You know, the, mm. you're California lawmaker, you're the New York lawmaker, etc. Uh, what we need is something to make politically appealing the opposite position, you know, the more reasonable position as we see it. Um, the only thing I can think of was the John Oliver interview with Eric Snowden. Mm. That, that's, um, I mean, it's off color. Uh, right, it's it's Oliver, it, you know. That's what he does. <laughs> yes, right, right, right. But but I think I mean you know publicize that, post it back on Twitter, you know, get it moving, send it to the politicians, and say here, this is what you're advocating. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, what strikes me is that right. So we now have I. My eyes sort of perked up a bit when the former head of the NSA said, no, no, encryption. This is wrong. We need encryption. This is not the right way to go. That sort of made me go, hmm. Yeah. But when the current head came out basically saying, no, the head of the FBI is talking rubbish, that really made me perk up. And what strikes me is the difference in mandate in those two organizations. The mm-hmm. FBI have one job and one job only, which is to catch criminals. The NSA have a dual mandate, which a lot of the time means the NSA shoot the NSA in the foot. So the NSA's job is to protect U.S. businesses from overseas spying and to spy on people. So... One half of the NSA goes and sabotages encryption standards at NIST. Another half of the NSA is telling companies how to protect themselves from being from corporate espionage through strong encryption. And it's interesting that the organization that sees both sides of encryption is the one saying, no, actually, no. American business needs encryption. And mm-hmm. it does. It really does, as do American people. Yes. I, I don't see how the last couple of years can't prove that to them any more emphatically. <laughs> uh, but... It just seems to me like if this is just guessing, but it seems to me like if they're erring on one side or the other, it's it's not for the benefit of of companies because they're they're exploiting these things themselves. And I mean, they they're clearly not notifying vendors of every backdoor that they're finding so they can shut it down. Oh god, uh, yeah, 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 just, definitely. Yeah, I just think that these guys are doing some serious harm to the country right now. And I'll go further. It's not just an American issue. Because no, Apple is headquartered not. there, you know, A, this is an Apple podcast, so the fact that Apple is headquartered in the U.S. means that U.S. position on this matters to all Apple users around the planet. Absolutely, yeah. But also, you also have Facebook, Google, and Microsoft. So anyone who uses technology, what happens in the U.S. is really very important in this regard. So it's a big thing it's great to see the Dutch government say no we're not going to mandate and it's great to see the French government say no we're not going to mandate but at the end of the day all of that will be for naught if the American government does mandate yeah and as far as if if I was some if I was living in another country basically the way I would view the US government regarding this is they're just actively hostile towards you they just they just are I mean yeah really we don't care about anyone else's privacy at all openly and then we secretly don't care about our own privacy at all yes and it's interesting that Microsoft are in contempt of court for refusing to hand over data from a Dublin data center to a U.S. court. And they have been in contempt of court for nearly a year now, I think. And I think that's a really positive thing to see. And, of we course, don't... Ireland, like, we, Ireland are, 
Europe's data center to some extent. And um, we have we speak English. We're in the euro, and we have pretty friendly tax laws to American multinationals, to put it mildly. So Google, Apple, Microsoft, they're all here. And they all have data centers here. And they use data centers here to serve their European market on the promise that European customers will get European data protection standards, which are higher than American data protection standards. And so that one court case where an American judge is trying to force Microsoft to hand over Dublin data to an American court, if that goes the wrong way, Microsoft, Apple, the amount of money they stand to lose in Europe is staggering. Yeah. So, interesting times we live in. Okay, any other thoughts on this, or do we move on to an easier story? My, my only thought is I think it's going to be a long-running process that we're going to be going through. Yes. And we did it in the 90s. We did this in the yeah. Clinton era. We did this. We, we mm-hmm. played with the clipper chip and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it was a couple of years, and it took a while. But the end result was, oh, actually, yeah, okay, this was a bad idea. And weirdly, we're actually still suffering from that Clinton era carry-on. Because last year, there were SSL vulnerabilities that broke HTTPS because of the export ciphers mandated under the Clinton administration in an attempt to make... They classified encryption as a weapon and then used weapons export bans to make people who were not American use crappy encryption. It was Yeah, didn't work out well. Right. So we've been there, done that. Let's not do it again. Okay, so um, transitioning... Oh, I don't really know how you transition out of that story, but uh, (laughs) I'm sure I'll have practice. So anyway... The fifth story that caught my eye is every time you talk about Apple and privacy, there is always someone who chirps up and says, ah, but Apple are no different than Facebook because they have iAds. And you're like, it's not quite how it works, but I wish they didn't have iAds. Well, it looks like I'm getting my wish, slowly but surely. The only thing we know for certain certain is that Apple are discontinuing the program whereby app developers can buy ads for their apps in the, app, in the iAd network. That is being discontinued as of June 30th this year. That is press release fact, no doubt about it. What we also have is a story from BuzzFeed that Apple didn't comment on that said that Apple are completely wrapping up the entire iAd sales team and they're going to continue having iAds available, but only in terms of you you basically you find your own and 100% of the profit goes to you and Apple are just getting out of it. It's just something that exists, but they're not actually taking an active part in. We don't know how true that is because that's not yet been confirmed, but that's certainly interesting. I'm not sure that I've ever seen an iAd. I've seen them in a few ads before I pay the 99 cent or whatever to get rid of them. Right. Yeah, me too. Which I guess comes back to the very, very first point in the story that we Apple users like to spend... No, we Apple users are quite happy to pay for things we like. I won't say we like to spend money because that's, that's so not true. I don't yeah, like it at all. I hate it. But I do do it. Um, there's an interest. There's a good episode of Under the Radar podcast on Relay, mm-hmm. which is uh, Marco Arment and David Smith. And David Smith actually uses iAds in some of his apps. And he okay. has some experience with this. And it was kind of interesting. It's episode number 11. And okay. I listened to that, and it was kind of interesting because he, if I remember correctly, his main concern was that what might happen for a lot of, for a lot of people like him who want to use ads in their apps, but they want to make sure that they're not 
completely obnoxious and sleazy like we see with a lot of things on the web, mm -hmm. for example. And he's concerned that maybe the easy ability to avoid that kind of situation might go away. So, right. I don't know. I think that was his main concern, if I remember right. But anyway, it was kind of an interesting episode. Well, that was Apple's promise. It's like, okay, we accept the evil of ads, but we would like them to be less evil. Therefore, we do them ourselves. And I really think that was a Steve Jobs thing. I think Steve wanted iAds because he really, 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 really didn't like ads. And I think Scott Forstall was, Scott Forstall was a big proponent of iAd, and they're not making decisions in Apple anymore for different reasons. <laughs> different reasons. Yeah. And so, I don't think anyone who's there now was behind iAd, so I'm kind of surprised it lasts this long. Sorry, Linda. No, I just, I, I'm, I, part of the reason I'm being quiet is I'm not sure I understand exactly how all of this works or worked. Um, and the iAds did not have the kind of network, at least they weren't being served up by uh, XYZ company that causes XYZ site to become infested with malware because yes. someone corrupted the, right? So, because, so Apple handling it. Well, is there if what what are we moving to, and does it still have that protection? It's not clear actually at the moment because we're dealing with rumors from BuzzFeed instead of press releases from Apple. It's not actually clear, but the way it did work was that Apple had a sales team who would go around trying to actively sell iAds to companies, and then they would work with that company. Let's say they go to Nike and they say, "Would you like to buy some iAds?" And Nike say, "Well, yes, we would." Apple then had a team who would work with Nike to build the ad for them. And that way, Apple exercised control over the not being obnoxious. So no flashy, bouncy, wobbly bits or any of that kind of stuff because Apple were actively involved from soup to nuts. Would you like to buy an ad? Okay, here's the finished ad. They were involved all the way through. Right. Companies hated it because Apple didn't believe in spying on their customers. Right. And that didn't go down particularly well. And companies didn't believe in having someone else tell them what their ads should look like. So the whole thing didn't really go down very well. It never took off, really. Um, and so what it seems is that whole team is being let go. And so the assumption is that it will become much more like your typical Google ad where people get to say, here's some ads on the network and app developers get to say, great, I'll take your ads. Okay. And that there's going to be no more of this not making it obnoxious thing. I can't imagine, though, that Apple, I mean, as security-minded as they are yeah. with respect to iOS, I can't imagine that they would allow just, you know, I'm, I'm going to say double-click or whomever ads yeah. to, to just throw ads in there. That, that doesn't seem... Well, the, doesn't other, seem the other shoe may fall in that it's just goodbye iAd completely. Hmm. Which, in fairness, if they're going to take away the one bit that was good about it, the vetting... They may as well throw it all away because all they're going to do is ruin their name. So I don't know. We, 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 this one needs to develop more. All right. But we do, yeah, what we know for certain is that you can't advertise your own app anymore through iAd from June 30. And they also, it's then as a quick story, but they also had a free iTunes radio that was ad supported. And the suspicion, although we've never known it for a fact, but the suspicion was that the iAd team bought the advertisement for the ad-supported radio, which kind of makes sense. I mean, why wouldn't yeah. you have a separate advertising team? And so that product has also been discontinued this month. So that's now gone. You now need to go to Beats 1 or to Apple Music Radio, which is right. not ad-supported. So I think we're going to hear more about this. There's some shoes hanging in midair somewhere. Yeah. I guess I don't really know if I answered your question because I don't think we can. No, you did. I mean, at least I, it's clearer to me. Thank you. Okay. 
Okay, any other thoughts on IAD from anyone? Okay. So the final story I have in the main stories is... I'm not sure how much we can talk about it, but I do think we need to mention it. So Amnesty International have released some research, and it's linked in the show notes, and it's worth having a look at. But basically, you can draw a chain from children mining cobalt in really quite unpleasant ways through various middle people to batteries that make their way into mainstream products made by people like Apple, Samsung, and Sony. So they're, you know, reputable mainstream vendors. But if you follow the cobalt all the way from planet Earth into the phone, what you find is child labor in the mix, which is obviously not okay, uh, not good, and also against Apple's own policies. Right. So... The fact that this work has been done by Amnesty International is great because there's now a flashlight been shone on this and Apple have said that they are investigating because they don't approve of this kind of thing, as indeed have Samsung and as indeed have Sony. So maybe the only thing we can say about this story is watch this space. I I very much wanted to put the link to the Amnesty story into the show notes because they have a diagram of how, how how it filters through the system to finally get out in the Apple products. And I think it's something we should all be aware of. But as I say, I don't know how much we can talk about it, but I do think we need to say it. So anyone else have any thoughts? I, I, I think actually this has been brought about by the fact that Apple have taken that stance and publicly taken that stance. So um, what happens is organizations like Amnesty like to expose companies who make a stance and say we are doing this now that's good for everyone because actually i believe apple will try and make sure that things get better down the line whereas some of the companies that have been doing and using these processes and products for a long long time have just continued to live with the status quo maybe not completely Mm. that's per my own personal view of course um, but it does feel as though Apple are putting their foot in the water and saying we are good, and people are coming back and saying, "Well, you're not as good as you think you are." But neither of these other companies, which is that, should be raised to make sure everyone knows. But actually, if that makes Apple then say, "All right, well, we're going to try and fix some of it," then that's good. Yeah, well, Apple haven't quite been so clear as to say we're good. Apple have sort of said, <laughs> "No, we want no, to no, be good." No. Yes, yes. Okay, put it that way. But they're the ones they they more than any other company do say, uh, hand up, sir. We are better than others. But certainly from a green perspective, from a green perspective, absolutely. They they certainly go to the bragging rights, and we always get that slide with the bromium free something or others and arsenic free glass. And now I'm not knocking them for that. I no, think no. it's good that they do that, and it's good that it raises attention to it if it improves the whole process. But their their stance on 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 uh, child labour and stuff is subtly different, though, because they don't actually go around bragging about how great they are. They have their transparency report, and it was this time last year that their transparency report that Apple themselves reported on having found seventy six cases of child labour in their supply chain. So it's a different, a pre, you know, yeah, they're going about it differently than how they're going about their environmental stuff. Again, in both cases, it's good to see them make this a priority for the company. And I, I think 
you know, it may seem like a PR punch in the face, but actually I think Apple are probably quite happy that someone like Amnesty is helping them out with this because I don't think they want this in their supply chain. But it's not easy to know where every single mineral and every single thing comes from. Well, Well, I think I was going to... I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, carry on. Carry on, Scott. I was just going to say, well, I think that's the problem is when they're going, you know, they can determine or at least pretty strongly determine what materials they're going to use it's a far different matter to determine to have complete control or say in working conditions in other countries and especially when it comes to these mining things i seriously doubt that there's any mining in in some of these countries that is clean completely clean and Mm. i'm not saying it shouldn't be i'm not dismissing that but what i am saying is it's a problem that i think is going to take a long time to solve and i'm sure they want to solve it but there's there's just no way they can take the same stances they're taking on what mineral, what materials they're using in their products. Yeah, I think the only way they can get anywhere is if everyone in the tech sector is with yes. them. And the only way that That's happens right. is with people like Amnesty International stepping up. Yes, yeah. And ultimately, it has to be an economic solution because it's if Apple won't buy... It, if Apple, you know, if you can't sell your cobalt anymore if you do this, then you're going to stop doing it because you need to sell your cobalt. And so you need to kill the market at the point before it gets into the battery, before it gets into the iPhone. It's not easy because there's an awful lot of work goes into obfuscating where these things come from that you then have to try unobfuscate if you're at the top of the food chain. Deomfuscate? Anyway, yeah. <laughs> difficult, difficult to say, difficult to do. It is okay. a depressing topic, though. I was going to say, what a cheery, cheery, cheery end to the show we've had here. <laughs> Anyway, I do have some quick stories. Uh, Let's take the positive out that they're there trying to get it fixed. Hurrah. Yes. Yes. So so hopefully, actually, next month we can report that there's been blah changes. That would be nice. I don't know if it'll move that quickly. It probably won't. No. Okay, so some quick stories to finish. Um, If you are living in Central Europe and you have an Apple adapter, there is a recall program you need to be aware of. Uh, but it's not only Europeans who need to be aware of it. So Apple do this really cool thing called the travel kit, which is, I have one, I love it to bits. So you know the way on an Apple charger, you can slide off the bit that goes to the wall socket. And you can slide in ones with different prongs. So if you go to America, you slide in one with the funny two American prongs. And if you go to Europe, it's two different prongs and whatnot. Well, it turns out that the European prongs can sometimes, in very rare cases, break in such a way that you could fry yourself. Apparently, there have been 12 instances reported worldwide, but that's 12 too many for my liking. So I have a travel kit. There is a recall program, and I'm going to darn well make use of it. So if you have any of these adapters, listeners, I would recommend you do the same. Yeah, it seems like technology that we should have mastered at this point in time. (laughs) It does, doesn't it? (laughs) You know, plug. Yeah, or whatever you... Do do Americans call them plugs? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I I thought we figured that out, but clearly not completely. Uh, TVOS 9.1.1 brings podcasts to the Apple TV, or rather back to the Apple TV. I'm sure that will make some people happy. And the Steve Jobs movie that's not doing terribly well in terms of actual people, you know, as in ordinary members of the public watching it, has nonetheless done okay in awards. Kate Winslet and Aaron Sorkin won themselves a Golden Globe, and Kate Winslet and Michael Fassbender are nominated for Oscars thanks to the film so I liked it hmm I need, I need I really need to see it I enjoyed it I need to know that it's not a true story and therefore I won't hate it 
but I, I just haven't haven't in the mood. The yeah, the the Economist had a had an interesting review on it that wasn't very favorable. Basically, they said Hollywood doesn't know what to do with Steve Jobs. He was just too complex and too um, whatever. He was too yeah. much to possibly be able to handle well. And partially on the basis of that, I didn't go to see it, but also because it's clearly fiction. And I'm and I don't know if it's really presented that way. Um, but Gaz, I have to say, I know several people like you who saw it and really liked it. So I've met a lot of people who went to see it sort of going, well, I guess I should and came out astonished and amazed at how much they enjoyed it. Mm. Even though, even with all that, I still haven't watched it, but I really should. Okay, panel, thank you ever so much for your time and energy today. It's very much appreciated. Um, let me see. Let's go in reverse order. Um, Scott, thank you for joining us again. And uh, you. would you like to give the listeners any links or any plugging or any of such things? Oh, I have no idea. Uh, my Twitter, Scott AW, my website, saw66.com. And I've actually written a couple of reviews recently for mymac.com again. So oh, excellent. We like mymac.com since we're. Yeah. Excellent. Cool. Okay, thank you, Scott. Uh, I think, if I remember the order I went in, I think that means that Linda's next. Linda, thank you again for your time, and is there anything you'd like to let the listeners know? Um, not in particular. I don't do... I'm more of a lurker than anything on Twitter, so I won't, I won't even do that. I'll just say that I am a, a, a Mac user group leader and a former ACN and follower of Apple Financials for decades. Uh, and shareholder, I'm, you're supposed to always do, you know, full disclosure, I am a shareholder of Apple, which is one of the reasons I follow it so closely in terms of the finances. Um, yeah, so that's it. Cool. And uh, Gaz, I think you probably have a podcast or two to plug. Uh, yeah, let's, everyone go. Well, I'll, I'll do a bit of your job as well. Go over, okay. to, the Stoplight, go over to the Stoplight Network, and uh, there are numerous uh, podcasts, including Bart's and the one that I frequent uh, on a weekly basis with uh, my co-host, uh, Guy Searle, which is the MyMac podcast. Uh, and we liken ourselves to, uh, or we like to call ourselves, the G-Men. So uh, it's a irrelevant, irrelevant? Yeah, no, it isn't. It is, it is actually an irrelevant look at Apple. <laughs> I'm going to leave that. That's that probably the best Fantastic thing. verbal typo. I love that, it. That is actually one of our bumpers, isn't it? <laughs> I think you may have just made a new bumper for yourself An ir- ir- irrelevant Look at the, the Apple stuff. <laughs> I love oh it. Oh my gosh! I love it. Well, okay. It's irreverent. I think is what you're trying to say. No, no, um, no. I'd prefer irrever- irrelevant. <laughs> Either way, there'll be a bumper of Guy and Gaz being <laughs> irrelevant. <laughs> irrelevant. About thirty seconds from now, stuck on the end of this show. Anyway, you will find full and detailed show notes over at lets-talk.ie. So basically everything that we, the panel, have used to inform ourselves, I've sort of collected into a big long list. So lots of links there so you can read along to the various stories. While you happen to be there, there's uh, three large blue buttons to support this show. I would appreciate it if people would support this show. Also, those of you who do support this show, thank you very much. Your support is what makes this show possible. So I really appreciate it. And do please keep it coming. Anyway, I've been your host, Bart Bushaw. So you can find me at bartb.ie. And until next time, happy computing. Listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Hello, I'm Guy. And I'm Gaz. 
from the MyMac.com podcast. And we're here to tell you about a very serious condition plaguing Mac users everywhere. It's known as BPSI, or Boring Podcast Sleep Induction. It can happen anytime, anywhere, while listening to dull podcasts and driving. You can prevent BPSI by subscribing to the MyMac.com podcast on iTunes. Our podcast is many things, <laughs> but never boring. Available without a doctor's prescription. The MyMac.com podcast is not responsible for loss of bodily functions while laughing. Side effects include blurred vision, nervous tics, trying not to smile, angry yelling when you say something wrong, and the inability to call our Skype number, which is 703-436-9501. Women trying to become pregnant should not be listening to the MyMac.com podcast, as it will take time away from having sex, which you normally need to do to become pregnant. So remember, listen to the MyMac.com podcast. Think of the children. <laughs>